and I just sat on the, the doctor's table and said, I want to kill myself. You're listening to the Experience Sikhi podcast, a deeper look into the Sikh identity. We present to you open, honest, and inspiring stories. No armor, pretense, or sugarcoating. Welcome to the Experience Sikhi Podcast. I'm Kalvinda Singh and with me today is Gurjeevan Singh. Gurjeevan Singh is an active leader in the Sikh community here in Toronto. He works full-time as a personal injury lawyer. He has some great insight and I'm excited to have him on as my co-host today. Before we begin this podcast, uh, we want to acknowledge that we are meeting on Aboriginal land that has been inhabited by Indigenous people from the beginning. As settlers, we're grateful for the opportunity to meet here, and we thank all the generations of people who have taken care of this land for thousands of years. In particular, we want to acknowledge the traditional territory of the Anishinaabek and the Huron-Wendat. Also, just some reminders, if you guys like the podcast, please remember to comment, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and all other platforms that you can commonly find podcasts on. You can also send us questions and feedback at podcast at experiencesikhi.com. Again, we're not mental health professionals, we're not Sikhi experts, we just want to provide a perspective and hopefully learn something uh, from this experience as well by talking to these professionals as well as uh, people who have their own personal experiences. So this is part one of a two-part podcast with Gurkirat Singh. Born and raised in BC, Gurkirat Singh is a student of the Damdami Taksal and shares his experiences on his Instagram page, Kota Guru. That's spelled K-O-T-H-A-G-U-R-U. In his 26 years, he has had the privilege of learning the teachings of Sikhi from great Kursiks such as Pagat, Jisvan Singh Ji, Kiani Bhagwan Singh Ji, Pindramale. Currently, he is studying to be an electrician and does seva with Guru Nanak Academy and Gurmat Center, both located in British Columbia. In this podcast, we'll discuss his childhood struggles dealing with dyslexia and trouble focusing in school. This led him to some low points which shaped the person he is today. So, here's Gurkirat Singh. Waigujika Khalsa, Waigujiki Fateh. Welcome, Gurkirat Singh. Thanks for being on the podcast with us today. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad yourself. Good, good. So, we're just going to start off because this is going to be a fairly long podcast. Um, there's a lot of content here. Um, so, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, like your passions and hobbies and how you got into Sikhi? Yeah, so, I can start off with how I got into, uh, into Sikhi first. Um... I was about, I always had an interest in Sikhi, so I remember I was in kindergarten and I had a vice principal, I went to a school in uh, Abbotsford, BC called the Smish Punjabi School. I attended kindergarten there and uh, every morning we had Darbar, so I was learning about Sikhi from a very young age and the vice principal came, uh, became quite close with him, his name was Mr. Dollywa. Mm. And instead of playing on the playground and running around with friends, he started helping me at lunchtime when he was like monitoring, monitor, monitor, monitoring the uh, playground, uh, he would teach me Ardas. So he got, wow. helped me get Ardas memorized, mm. helped me get Jopi Sai memorized, teaching me different Sakhiya. And I was like, kind of like a teacher's pet to him, right? Yeah. So that was where my passion grew. And then when I started going to Godora South with my family, when I got a little older, a couple of years later, in 2000, 2001, um, I heard the Sakhiya, the Chote Sahib, Jade, and Guru Gomu Singh Ji, with uh, Vasakhi and giving Amrit. And there's Amrit Sanchar at the Godora Sahib in Abbotsford, and uh, it was in 2000, uh, 2001, 
2001, January 2nd, I believe. And um, there's Amr Sanjara, and I told my parents, say, I want to take Amr. I was seven years old. And my parents are crazy, like, oh, they're looking at me, they're <laughs> like, like, we have no Sikhi in our family, so there's no Sikhi background. And right. they're like, well, why do you want to take Amrit? And I was like crying and weeping, and I was like, I don't know. Yeah. And they're like, okay, if you wake up in the morning, because Amr Sanjara is about 5 a.m., and you got to get up early and go. And if you wake up, you can go. Right. And uh-huh. uh, so I woke up, and I went and knocked on my parents' door, and I'm like, Let's go to the Amrit Sanjara, right? <laughs> <laughs> and this is the crazy part. My dad's like, hey, if you want to take Amrit, I'll take Amrit with you. So, like, I was awesome. So he got he got ready, and then we oh, both I got did. showered, and we went to Godara Saib, and we took Amrit. And uh, after that, just getting to the Sangit, I uh, started going to the Gormat Center in Abbasfar. We're learning more about Sikhi and Gormat. Doing Sangit, uh, like, by Parminder Singh Ji, far the Guru Nanak Academy. By Jaranjit Singh Ji, right. um, meeting Baba Thakur Singh Ji for the first time in 2003, and being around other Gursikhs, just seeing them, learning about them, learning about Sikhi, learning about Sanjana Singh Ji, about 1984, about the Tiyas history, it all inspired me to grow my Sikhi more and more and more. Right. And over time, I've just been um, blessed to do Sangita, many amazing Gursikhs and Sangita, um, great Mahapurks, and uh, just trying to work on this path every single day and keep growing. Nice. And um, my passions, um, one of my passions is obviously Kata. Right. I love Kata and uh, always learning history and learning new things. And then what I've learned, uh, taking that and teaching it to others. Right. That's what I enjoy the most in life. If I have something and I can pass it to someone else and that can help their life. Because right. I feel like everyone in life might not have the same opportunities that I have had. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if I can help anyone with those, with those things that I've learned that have helped me. I love doing that, especially youth, the youngsters. So that's right. one. That's something that helps me teach at Gourmet Center when I go back in BC. Is the youngsters teaching them like everything I've learned throughout my life and keep learning more. Right. Investing in myself and trying to learn and learn more, reading more, doing more sangha, listening to more katha, mm. learning new arts, learning new subjects and topics, and expanding and going into depth of them. I love doing that. That's my passion. Right. Just growing, and my hobbies—they're kind of worldly, you can say. But um, pretty much reading, exploring nature, coming yeah. from BC, we have right. a lot of nature there, <laughs> yeah. so I enjoy doing that. And then on Sunday, I like watching football. football. Yeah, yes. I'm a football guy. Why yeah. Eagles? Why? Yeah. Eagles, nice. Yeah. Just the Eagles or another team as well? No, just the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> I heard yeah. Eagles, yeah. right? Yeah. You yeah. won by fluke last year. <laughs> 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 I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, so we were talking about um, you know, your experiences as a child as, uh, in Abbotsford, with Baba Thakur Singh Ji and the Gursikhs at the, at the Gurmat Center. Yeah. But uh, in terms of uh, mental health, mm-hmm. uh, what experiences did you have as a child growing up that have really shaped you into the person you are today? Yeah, so like I was born with something called dyslexia. So dyslexia is a, ba- a brain-based condition which um, makes it harder for someone with dyslexia to learn how to read, write, and spell. So from a very young age, I was uh, diagnosed with this. And... Um, First, um, the teachers didn't even know what was wrong, right? Uh, often people who have dyslexia, they're labeled um, people, they might be labeled lazy sometimes, or they're seen to be bright, but they can't keep up with the rest of the class. So I had trouble with that. Mm. My reading levels were very, very low from a very young age, and teachers mistaken that I might have some eyesight problem. Because mm. when you have dyslexia, what happens is you're trying to read a sentence right. or read a word, and that word those letters get flipped around. Mm. So if it says like, like, 
like bus, right? Instead of seeing the B first, you'll see the U first. Mm. And then it'll move the letter around. I remember right. when I was, that was one of the first things I remembered. I'm like trying to learn how to spell bus. I was in grade one. Couldn't spell bus, right? <laughs> Simple word like that. And so I was sent to like getting eye test done and they couldn't figure it out. And I was put in ESL and uh, just the thought that maybe like he's from, comes from an immigrant family that he just has a hard time understanding oh. English. Mm. But that wasn't the case because someone who has dyslexia, there are, um, there, it has nothing to do with intelligence. Right, right, right. So you can be an intelligent person, right. but what you have happening in your brain, communicating that on paper or uh, spelling something out or reading something out loud is very difficult. Right. So people who know me, they know I can't save my life if I had to spell something. Right, like, right. I can't spell to this day. I'm a horrible speller, right? So is it is it like when you're, uh, when you're trying to read bus, yeah. You saw UBS, but yeah. you wouldn't be able to even tell if that's uh, incorrect because that's how you're reading it. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell. Oh. So even now with Gurbani, same thing stuff happens, happens every single day, right? right? So it'll say Jab and I'll read uh, Baj. Or like first, like I do that all the time. Oh. And so it's, it's it carries over on both ends, right? So it's any reading or writing or learning. So I struggle with this throughout high school and through elementary school at a young age. And it... Because I always felt like I was an intelligent person, very smart. Right. Because someone who has dyslexia, they can communicate orally very well. Right. They can give tests orally very well, right? But when it comes to putting it on paper, which the majority of our work in school is, right. Right, whether it's science, math, or anything, it's always write it down. Write it down, They yeah. want to read an answer, right? Right. So I would, I would even when I'd read something, I'd read a paragraph. Right. I'd read something, but I can't comprehend what I just read. Mm. So it would take... I could. I remember there being times where I read read something, five times, ten times, fifteen times. I still don't know what it said. Right. Mm. Right. Because just reading that, under understanding that, was something I was really struggling with. But if someone sat there, and they spoke it to me, mm. oh, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Interesting. Right? Interesting. So yeah. I've like I found different ways of dealing that with that now, like. Um, audiobooks right? right so i love reading as my passion i said and so i get like i get my sister to buy me a subscription of audible every year for my birthday so, yeah, yeah. so i can just nice. listen to all my uh like uh, books that i want to read online and stuff yeah. so like there's different ways you can deal with it but people who have this condition they're often made to feel dumb mm. because everyone around you like i had a very smart cousin right and who's in med school right now ubc Nice. Good. Proud of him. <laughs> yeah. But uh, very smart, same age as me. We lived in the same house, same class, same grade. But he's exceeding at everything. And on the other hand, I'm sitting there and struggling with this. And what dyslexia is, is genetic. Right. So if, you ha- if one of your parents have it, there's a chance that you could have it. But if both your parents have it, you're going to have it 100%. And they say there's about 15, uh, 12 to 15% of people in the world who have this uh, this learning disability and majority of the people who have a learning disability is dyslexia mm. so it's not uncommon but uh, getting tested for it um, and uh, being diagnosed that was the biggest thing right. and what happened was uh, up to grade 11 12 I was diagnosed with it mm. and uh, uh, so I was getting help and assistance and in school I would have like when I was running exams or something I would get a separate setting so I can write the exam on my own in a separate classroom, monitored by a teacher. I was the only person in class. And also what would happen was I had uh, all the time I wanted. Mm-hmm. So I had all the time I wanted to sit there and write my exams. Right. Um, so for my English 12 exam and all this stuff. But then I got, um, in grade 12, I got tested again for it. 
And for some reason, they said, you don't need extra help. And I remember sitting in class、uh, when I got this, when this happened to me, I remember sitting there and I was like totally like confused. Like,、right. Why did you guys take this privilege away from me? Right. I've、yeah. been diagnosed with this. And they had a test that they did a testing for me and they said, sorry, you don't meet, meet the levels. Right. But the majority of the tests that they did were all like, okay, here's a bunch of blocks, put them together in this order. Right. Or、uh, there's, there's different, like,、right. more of like、um, mechanical stuff, right?、Sure. Which I excel in. Right. Right. I excel in that stuff. And it was the designation was taken away from me. But I actually remember fighting with my, not fighting, but like, like arguing, for arguing, arguing for it, fighting for it, saying, hey, I need this. I got a provincial exam coming up, my grade、um, 12 English exam we used to have. Right. And they took it away from me. And my teacher was very nice. She said to me, okay, there's two exams you can write. By, by that, I mean, like, you can rewrite the exam. So, I had it in the second semester in my English class. So, she's like, in April, write the exam because there's a chance to write it. And if you don't do well, write it again in June,、mm. right? So, you have the opportunity. Don't skip the April one.、Right. So, I wrote the April one without the extra help or that, and I got 55% on it. Right. And I was like, damn, I, like, I need、yeah. this grade to go to university and yeah. Yeah. what I want to get into, yeah, right? Yeah. And then、uh, she's like, okay, now write it again. And I wrote it again, and then I got like 78 or something the second time I wrote、right. it. And I was like, wow, I mean, that's considered a B and B. Yeah, C. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what, what it's、Same、considered. Yeah. Yeah. B plus, yeah. yeah. So that was like, that really helped me. And then I, once I got to college, right,、um, I didn't have a designation. Because what the, what, the,、uh, what the counselor said to me after I got 55 on the first exam was like, okay, I see what you did here. She's like, I can give you the separate setting and the time here now in school, but I can't give you that in university. Right? And I was like, oh, like, I was、yeah. like, okay, I'll take it now. But she's like, yeah, I couldn't. But what I needed to do, and I should have done it, I should have gone to a private person and a private psychologist and、yeah. got done it because that's what they had. It was just in the district, in the school district.、Right. They come and test people who need it. Right. Should have gone to a private person and got it done. I didn't do、yeah. that. <laughs> But、um, so、uh, when I went to university, I, I really enjoyed、um, history and geography. Right. And I was exceeding that. In, I remember in high school, I was getting like 98, 95, and this, like, had the highest mark in the entire school in geography. And I wasn't someone with dyslexia. I had the highest mark, I had 98% in geography 12. And I wanted to pursue geography and history in some way, one way or the other. But the problem was th- with that was is it, it requires a lot of reading, spelling, and writing、right. papers. So I couldn't pursue my passion,、mm. right? So I was like, okay, I'm good at math as well. Right. right, why not go into accounting or finance or something?、Mm-hmm. So, when I went into accounting,、um, uh, we had time exams. So, I was, had to make balance sheets and income statements and stuff like that、yeah. for accounting, and I couldn't finish my exams. And what happened was, we would, I would have to punch in numbers, and I would punch in a number, right? Assets and what, everything yeah, else, right? Liabilities、yeah. and everything, calculate them all up. And、uh, I would I'd find one number and my, num- my calculator would say one number, but I would write down something else on the answer sheet. That's my dyslexia. Right. Right? So I thought, I, I, started, I used to stay up all night just trying to study and learn and learn. One thing that dyslexia has helped me with or has, has pushed me, has motivated me to work harder and try harder than everyone else. Right? So I'm the type of person who, when I'm in school, I'll go to sleep. At 5 p.m., I wake up at 12 a.m. and study from 12 a.m. to 6, 7 a.m. and then go to school.、Mm-hmm. That's my, I'm willing to do that because I want to work hard. I want、right. to succeed and I need to do that.、Right. So it's, built, it's helped me build good work ethic, 
but when I was in school and I was trying to do these tests, I wasn't succeeding. Right. So then after two years of fighting that, I finished, the f- I got my accounting diploma. Oh, wow. um, it was not easy. It was, I got it, right? Yeah. But, um, so that took me two years. And then I, then finally after I was like, yo, I can't do this. I can't sit there for the rest of life in a chair trying to do accounting. And then I said, just Google, like, good jobs for dyslexic people yeah. <laughs> and something that came up was electrician so i decided hey let's, let's let me try this and growing up on a farm in abbotsford bc i always worked with my hands right. i didn't mind getting dirty yeah i didn't uh like it wasn't something i enjoyed so i went into trades right. and there's a huge need for it huge huge need for it so it was something that i pursued it and now i love it like right. i succeeded in it and like honestly, I believe Maharaj So my first job that I got, I got hired, and my for, uh, my the owner of the company was very nice, right? right? He's like, I have another Sikh in my company. He's like, his name is Gurpreet Singh. He's <laughs> like, I'm gonna put you with him. <laughs> so I was like, okay. I'm like, who's this Punjabi guy taking me with, right? <laughs> so I show up to work, and this, everyone loves him. I hear all these great things about him, and I go meet him. And honestly, like this guy reads Bonnie all day at work. He's a foreman in our company. Um, he, he's like one of my mentors now. He's right. a foreman in, in the company. He reads Bonnie all day at work. And then I found out that both his parents are Shaheed. After, mm-hmm. the, after the 80s, they got Shaheed. And in uh, the oh, Samastapur area. So he had a connection yeah. to Taksal as well. He took Amrita Mehta. And uh, they, my company's name is Polar, Polar Electric. And they call him Father Polar because he's trained everyone in the company. Mm-hmm. So like he like took me under his wing and he started teaching me and then he told me the same thing. He's like, just put your headphones in your ear, listen to Bonnie, read Bonnie, listen to Kirtan, and just work, right? And if you have any, if you make a mistake, no worries, right? Just work. And like Maharaj Kala, so I, it was great, right? That came into my life and then that makes work way easier, right? When you have someone who understands Sikhi and is trying to do the same thing as you and yeah. is respected in the company, so uh, that was really uh, useful. So that's something that. Um, uh, help me so what with dyslexia I'll say that it's something if someone has it they don't have it for life right. it can't go away mm. but you have to find other alternatives to not let it get in the way of your um, uh, passions right and sure. it has it has struggles it has given me hardship with even my Sikhi right, right? so and uh, for example like le- learning how to read Ladivar right. or learning how to read Gurbani and Santya and Gurmukhi, um, whether it was any language I was trying to learn or any subject, even though I was so interested in it and I had a, I had a passion for it, right. I was struggling. And I was behind everyone else in class. Well, there's a Punjabi class. Right? I was a kid who didn't, couldn't go and now move on to Maharani because I didn't get my Urara proper or anything like that. Right? I couldn't go and read right. grammar or write stuff. I was behind and that's kind of disheartening and makes it harder for you and start thinking yeah you are dumb you don't have you're not smart enough and someone like who enjoyed school but this made it really hard and when people uh, have these struggles in a school at a young age mm-hmm. um they they don't especially children they don't know how to express themselves right so something that i like first i was really interested a really good kid teacher's pat whatever right and then i got to a point where i started becoming like like just grade five six i was just like the class not a class clown but like the class like kid who disturbs me in class because <laughs> yeah, yeah. i was like what the? i don't want to be here Dude, right, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> so i don't know in high school it got better because i got found good teachers and right. who understood me right and who connected with me and it was much like 
Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. And uh, so that was really good. And uh, But pretty much that's what dyslexia, it just makes it harder for you to learn, but you got to find alternatives, right? So for me, uh, like I said, I enjoy reading, so I listen to many more audiobooks now, uh, podcasts, YouTube. YouTube's my best friend, right? I just, yeah. you want to learn something, you go there, right? Or mm. anything else like that. And it really helps you... Uh, there's ups and downs, like I said, better worth that ethic. Yeah. Uh, but the hardships are come that you might still make a mistake when you're trying to learn something, read something. Right. And uh, there's different ways to get about around it. Right. And uh, where I saw it as something that held me back before, I now feel like it's part of who I am and I've accepted it. Right. And I'm taking it as a, I'm taking it as something that I, I, I don't want to like shy away from it or right. hide it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Embrace it essentially. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you kind of mentioned high school and uh, um, your schooling and how it kind the dyslexia carried on to there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had previous conversations offline about um, your high school and college experience and how you had a little bit of um, some low points and some low and dark points. Um, how did you? What was causing that darkness and how did you overcome that? Like my. F- in life, I know like good morning tells us, right? Right? in every single family, right? Or every single household, right? But says Frida Majania Dok Mojiko Dok Sabaya Jag Ucha Chadke de Kya Karakareha Aga or we say Dok Sok Doekar Kapare and like everyone wants happiness. Right. And Dok comes to everyone. Um so that like there's times that comes in your life where you're like, Hey, I want happiness in my life. Right. And sometimes people chase different things in life where they want to seek happiness. And I got to a point in my life where things that made me happy, uh, were not making me happy anymore. People who made me happy were not making me happy anymore. People were changing around me. Mm-hmm. So I went to school with, with majority of, uh, uh, white people. Right. And, uh, uh, very nice people. Like I had no one ever bullied me or anything like that. I had a few select friends who were Punjabis, right? And very nice people. But they started, they weren't uh, as passionate into Sikhia as I, as I were. Right. But our families were family friends and we all went to the same school. We right. all had our case. Right. So they started, like, they're very nice people, still friends with them today. Yep. But they decided to cut their case and get away from Sikhia and chose this is not the path that they wanted. And on the other hand, I was very passionate about my Sikhi, right? right? And had these expectations for my Sikhi. And I knew what I wanted to pursue in life. And Gurmat was a big part of it. And when people asked me questions, hey, uh, like I was the type of kid who used to wear my chola to school. Oh, wow. And even from from young as grade, fi- uh, as grade five, right? Grade five, six, and grade nine, grade 10, I used to wear my bonnet to school just because it's something a big part of my life. Right. And I got to a point where I was just like confused. Like, do I really want this a part of my life anymore? And then I had people who were close to me who were totally out of my life anymore. And I felt very, very alone. Mm-hmm. And when someone's alone, I like that uh, being alone and isolated can give you different thoughts. And I did have some like uh, tr- like um, experiences. So I won't go into detail now, but had some experiences where I just just led me to really question who I was mm-hmm. and who was important to me. Right, feeling very sh- uh, like alone and unwanted, and those are important feelings to have. People want to feel. People want to feel wanted in life. People want to feel like they're important and they belong. And when I when I reached that stage, I was like, uh, when I reached that stage, for me, it became very, um, uh, very 
very dark. And I started, um, I started, uh, I started thinking about like suicide and stuff right. and thinking about, Hey, like what's the purpose of my life? Right. And I need a, I need a meaning. I need, what am I, why am I here? Right. I'm not, I'm not getting along with, um, I'm, I was the type of kid who just signed the, uh, in the library at lunchtime, doing my own thing, mm-hmm. not hanging out with anyone. Yeah. Um, Sangit was good, but I felt like the Sangit around me didn't, t- like, they weren't, like, you know, you can have, like, Sangit Sikhi friends, but sometimes they don't look at Sikhi the same way that you do. And um, I, I, was wa- I, was, I was faltering from my own Sikhi as well. Sure. And I had these thoughts of suicide. So I told a friend who was an older friend and he suggested, hey, maybe you should go to a counselor. I was very lucky I had this person and, and I was like, okay. So I went to a counselor. I went to my family doctor. Mm. My dad went with me and I just sat on the, the doctor's table and said, I want to kill myself. Yeah. That's what I told him. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me. He's like, oh, he didn't say anything. Very nice guy. My dad sat there. My parents are confused. Like, what yeah. is this kid are saying? Yeah. Right? It's, it's more like an identity crisis. Like, who, do, who are you? Right. That was a question I'm trying to ask, like, what's important in your life, right? And people, what happens is a lot of kids go through this. Mm-hmm. At that age, they see their friends. Um, I have a relative. Uh, sh- she's in grade 10, 11. She sees her friends, right, where they didn't eat meat before. Now they started eating meat because it's mm-hmm. a cool thing. Right. Or they started cutting their hair, going to parties, going out late at night, doing these things. And you're supposed to, you're taught to follow these things. And these people were doing those things with you. And now they're totally going in their different directions. And right. you're made... You're thinking, hey, should I go there? But no, your conscience is saying, no, that's a dark place, right? I never questioned cutting my case or anything like that, but like leaving Sikhi and doing that stuff, that those are thoughts that came at one right. point. Right. And, uh, and then I went to the psychologist and the psychologist was just talking to me about my life, like what my passions are, what do I like, and every, every touching on those topics. Right. And most of the conversation was very dull. And the the second time, uh, um, first time I went, my dad went with me. It was all good, nice and cool. The second time, she told me to come alone, and I came. I went alone. Right. And uh, she started asking me more about my sikhi. Mm. She's like, "Is it something that you um, chose on your own? Is it pr- pressure? Is something that was put on you?" I was like, "No, definitely on my own." Right. She's like, "Do you?" And then I started telling her about Bhagatji. Mm. So I, at this point, I hadn't met mean Bhagatjis. For those people who are listening and don't know who Bhagatji is, they're a student of a Santagani Gurbachan Sanji Pindranwale. Um, they spent 14 years in the Jatha of Sant Kartar, Sanji and Sant um, Baba Gurbachan Singhji. And they're a very senior students of the Taksal and they've done a lot of save of the Panth. And they currently live in Toronto and um, actually currently staying with them as well. Yeah. But uh, back in 2009, I heard about them. I had mm. no idea who they were. I didn't even see a photo of them. Wow. And I was like, there's this person in Toronto who I'm interested in going and staying with. Right. Um, he teaches Santia and I want to learn Santia. I want to learn about Gurbani. Right. Because 2009 was like a big year for me. I went to India that year too. Mm-hmm. And I met Santagani Mohan Singhji. Um, met Raigani Bhagawan Singhji. Met many different Gursikhs who helped me and motivated me. My Sikhi went to Hula Mahala. Did Darshan of so many Gurdara Sahibs. And... And then I was, I was in India, it was a great experience. And then I came back and it was the exact opposite where I felt totally lost and out of place. Oh, wow. So I came to, then I started talking about Bhakshi and she saw, hey, this, like when he talks about his Sikhi and his faith, he has a lot of passion. Right? He, he has a different, he has a, he sees something and he gets happy and his he emotions are good. He lights up, yeah. So then 
she's like, if that's something that you want, right? And that's when I see that in front of you that you enjoyed this, you should go and pursue it. Right. I had two months off. It was July. And then I just called about Babaji. And I was like, Babaji, like, they asked me, like, exercise. I was like, I play soccer. They could jump. And then, then, uh, so I came and I, like, they give me, at that point, I, I needed someone who could uh, give me serious direction in my Sikhi. I felt like my parents couldn't do that because they're more like your parents love you and they have different motivation, like motives for you. And they want, they want you to, they want the best for you. Right. And then there's Sangit, but when you're not connecting with the Sangit or you don't, your, your Sangit is not um, providing what you need. Uh, you lo- you're you're you get left confused because even people who are in sangat might be not doing the things that are in line with gurmat. Right. So they give me direction and they give me uh, meaning and connecting me to Gurbani and Gursikhi and taught me things and said things to me that uh, no one has ever said to me. For example, like dekhna, don't look at the opposite gender with their eyes. And that was a struggle that I was struggling with at that time grade 10 grade 9 when you're going through puberty and hormones and you see your friends having girlfriends and all this stuff and that's yep. the majority of the conversations that are happening in high schools are those conversations right so they're giving me that direction and giving me that purpose um that really like uh they really set my tone and give me a motive so when i was going to grade 11 i was working and i was getting uh back into Sikhi and i was at a high point right and they really helped me get out of that deep place and they helped me find meaning mm-hmm. you can say that so you were, uh, you know, speaking about Pagdadi, you're staying with them currently right now. Mm-hmm. And in the past, you've also spent time with Gani uh, Pagwan Singhji. Yeah. Uh, how would you describe those experiences? And, and uh, you already touched a bit on how Pagdadi has uh-huh. uplifted you. Yeah. Uh, you know, going more to Gani Pagwan Singhji, how has that helped you in your life? So one thing that Pagdadi helped me with was, I talked about dyslexia earlier, right? And uh, Pagdadi, the way, their way of teaching Gurmat and uh, Gurbani, it's uh, breaking down the words. So someone like me who struggles with dyslexia, I have a hard time reading. Right. And when it comes to Gurbani, I confuse my words. But the way Bhagashti teaches us to read Gurbani is to get uh, l- learn the sounds, mm-hmm. learn the symbols, learn the vowels, and put the words together. Right. And memorize the words with the spelling. Mm-hmm. For example, like there's actually a way, uh, it's called... Um, uh, in English, there's a way it's called the Orton, uh, Orton Gillingham approach. Orton? Orton Gillingham approach. Got it. Which is also used, I've discovered many years later, to teach people English who have a difficulty learning um, English wow. and they have dyslex- dyslexia. They use the Orton Gillingham approach and it's very similar to what Pagasi teaches. So, for example, a, w- a, sh- a shab that comes in Gurbani, like, Sarbaki Rain Hovi Ja Ja. Someone, if I was supposed to read that, and some of the dyslexia, they would have trouble reading the Ladivar especially. But when the way Pagasti taught me was they stood me up and said, okay, write this Pangti on the board and then spell it out. So, Sasa Mukta, Sarara Mukta, Baba Mukta, Ba, Sara, Ba, Kake Bihari Ki, Rare La, Re, Anana Mukta, Na, Re, Na, Hai Hoda Ho, Vai Bihari Vi, Chachitlama Ja, Ho Vi Ja. Then, Aapo, Adekarna, Aapo, Piyankurpo, Aapo, Metai, Mamisari, Me, Tekikarna, Idisari, Metai, Me, Lija, Mamisari, Me, Lalibari, Lija, Me, Lija. 
So they make you memorize the shabs right. like that. Wow. So Hovija Mataya They said so there's three uh, short sounds, Mokta, Sihari and Onkar. And the rest of them are long sounds. So they focus on the sounds and the letters and making sure you have the sounding and the pronunciation right of Gurbani. So someone who struggled with dyslexia and trying to read Gurbani, uh, this was very beneficial. Right. Very, very beneficial. They they came to my level and taught me the way I needed to learn. Right. And when I was in India, learning from Gani Bhagwan Singh Ji, um, I thought Gani Bhagwan Singh Ji is a student from uh, the Taksal as well. Um, you can go on my Instagram page, go type it and learn all about them. <laughs> but it's a small <laughs> plug-in. But uh, uh, they're one of my astads who I stayed with. I'll touch on them in a bit. But uh, when I was staying, learning Santa from them, they're doing the old, old traditional way where you sit there and you learn Panjagranti, Bhaivana. What the Guru says, get up. I got through Panjagranti uh, because I heard most of the Bani before. But when I got to Bhaivana, I was stuck reading. I was on Majabar, the second war for six months. Right. I couldn't figure it out. And right. I was like, it's discouraging. Yeah. And uh, I was trying to learn Gurbani, and I was like, yo, I, I want to become a Kathawachik, and I can't even read my bot properly. Right. And uh, it always, like, I was always scared to do a Hukumnama, always scared to read Gurbani out loud, do a role, because mm-hmm. I was like, when I was going to mess up. Yeah. And uh, so Bhagatji taught me really well, like, how to connect with Gurbani. And what they taught me was, get Gurbani under Vasoniya. To, because, a lot of us, majority of people are visual learners right. and images get stored in our brain. So if we see something as a person from a young age, you can often visualize that again. And I was just reading a book and in there I was talking about when you want to memorize something and you want to uh, you want to store it into your long-term memory and you want to skip the short-term process, when you're reading it, visualize it as you're going. So any, when we watch movies, we can often like tell that movie again and speak it again and because we've seen it. Right. So when you make images in your head, you're able to, uh, it, they stick in your brain faster and last longer. So Bhagavad what they teach us is, you take Gurbani, learn the meanings, and then, in your consciousness. Take those letters, shabs, and place them in your, in your brain, in your mind, and visualize them. Right. So where you have dreams of, whatever you've seen throughout the day, sure. now you have dreams about Gurbani in your subconscious because that's what you've been stored. Right. You have, you're thinking about their thoughts, but now you can replace those thoughts with Gurbani. Right? If you think about Sarabaki, Rain, Hovi, Jari, so that means become the dust of everyone's feet. Erase your own ego and merge with Vahiguru. So now imagine that in yourself, in your head. Right? Become the dust of everyone's feet. Have that much humility and erase your own ego and then emerge with Vahiguru. Now, when you can make that very personal, and when you have, for example, if you have um, a struggle with calm, mm-hmm. lust, take Shabds from Gurbani, which talk about calm, that talk about lust, that talk about, um, like, talk about that, repeat those Shabds, put them in your conscious, repeat and do job of that one Shabd, and then it will get into your conscious, and then you'll be able, whenever that thought comes. Um, I'll give you an example. I was with Bhagavad last year, and I was massaging their feet, and they're sleeping at night. And they got up to go to the bathroom, and I was about to help them. They said, repeat this line to me. Okay. 
जाको ठाकुर ऊंचा होई सो जन पर कर जातना सोई समन हुज ठाकुर हुज मालिक हुज लॉर्ड इज सो ग्रेट ही नेवर गोस अ हाउस ऑफ अनदर हस्बैंड्स वाइफ पर कर जातना सोई एंड आई जस्ट स्टार्ट रिपीटिंग लाइक सारी रात पढ़ी जाना सारी रात पढ़ी जाना एंड आई वाज ओके ठीक है बाबा जी द नेक्स्ट मॉर्निंग व्हेन आई गॉट अप इन द मिडल ऑफ द नाइट व्हेन आई वेंट टू स्लीप आई गॉट अप द नेक्स्ट डे आई आई हैड अ हॉरिबल ड्रीम अ लस्टफुल ड्रीम इन द मिडल ऑफ द नाइट and right when i got that pankti came to my mind ke ja ko thakur ucha hoi so jan par kar jaat na soi so when this calm or different anger right growth comes or any of these lobe any of these desires or vices coming to us you can take specific gurbani panktiyan and fight those vices with gurbani in uh, in funhe bani i believe there comes up pankti ke panch satav hai doot kavan bid marne uh तीखन बान चलाए ना प्रभत्याई है वन द पांच दूत पांच स्ताव है दूत कवन बिद मारने दिस पांच दूत फाइव ईवल्स ऑन द अटैक यू हाउ डू यू कलम राइट तीखन बान चलाए यू शूट देम विद शार्प एरोस ऑफ वा नाम प्रभत्याई है विद द लॉर्ड्स नेम सो दोस लाइक दैट रियली रेजोनेटेड विद मी बिकॉज़ समवन आई यू वांट टू कंकर दिस वाइसेस बिकॉज़ दिस वाइसेस यू आर फाइटिंग विद देम एवरी सिंगल डे है खासा सो जो करे नेत जंग you're fighting with them every single day so pakshi really really helped me um to take gurbani and implement it into my daily life and that's one thing that you asked how did pakshi help me with gani bhagwan singh ji um i always had a desire to learn and understand sant gani gurbachan singh ji's katha that ironically pakshi is the one who recorded it all 10 years of seva um and when i went to them i i I I just called them up randomly and Bobby you told to call okay but I said and this is in 2012 and they weren't very known back then I met them in 2009 and called them up after I graduated high school so when I finished when I fin- when I went to accounting and said I don't want to do this anymore yeah. I was done with it that's when I called up Gianni Pagwan saying okay, okay. so I was like I'm going to India now yeah I got yeah how did you find out about Gianni Pagwan saying funny story so we're at the there's ra- there's a conference or something uh, about uh, like punjab waters or something uh, okay. in, in uh, at a quantlin university in uh, bc and we had to give these and i was going there and on the way we had these ragis passports that we had to drop off at a godwara mm. and uh, so we went to go meet these ragis and there's there's like a hallway and at the end of the hallway the doors open and they're sitting right there right. this is when they're 28 years old they're very young right now it's wow. 10 years ago 2009 yeah February 2009 so exactly 10 years ago right around this time wow. and uh I they called me over they come here and I just sat down with them and I was like uh, uh where are you from are you from Metta they know I'm from Pindara and I was like okay cool I'm like well, I'm going to India in a couple of weeks and they go okay cool and they go make, make sure you go visit Pindara and Santgeni Mohan Singh ji and when I went to India and I mentioned them to Santgeni Mohan Singh ji cuz when I went to Gani Baba Mohan Singh ji they asked me ke kitho hai Canada to mai kahan ji they're like santya kardam khanji and the singh who's with me he's like eta paji ko padhya das gani santgani bhagwan singh ji's nickname you can say right, right. and bhagwan singh like looked back like oh you know them cuz gani ji stayed with at printer for about 10 years wow. and i was like khanji and they're like uh vidya padniya hey am khanji like and the singh i was like there are the singhs like sitting uh, and other bazurg singh who's sitting standing beside them they're like yeah. i'm like i just like 
I went up to Bob Budgie and I was like, Bobby, my Tanavi with Dan Prada, I'm in grade 10. And they just put their head, uh, head down and then they walked off and they were like disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what is this kid doing? <laughs> and I had no clue who they were. And they were like, I was like, okay. And then they were like, then they said to me, then they said to me, Ke, uh, Gurbani de Artsiko. And uh, they're like, I'm a teacher, and then they give me Gurbani Pat Darshan that they had there and then they told me one of their things to uh, write me a tikka down for Panjabani the nickname and uh, they gave me Satogali a tikka they told me to write down like make sure you buy this so I bought that and then when I came back to Canada and Ganiji was still here Gani Pagwan said you told them and then they're like okay like and they're, then they helped me they started teaching me Santhya there again and um, uh, and then like in 2012, I called them up like I wanna, I'm serious. I wanna come learn. Right. So I went and spent about six months with them. Then mm. I started learning Suri Prakash, started learning Adhyatam uh, Prakash and Sar uh, Katavali and Gurbani Santhya and doing Yataras with them. And so that was how I met them. And then again, uh, in 2014, I went and spent six more months with them. So I b- and, and then spending time with them here as well. So I spent about a year and a half with them. Right. And I spent almost a year and a half with Bhagatji now. Right. Spent a year with them last year. And then now I'm back in their seva. So all their, all is Maapark and Tarasunda. And I encourage everyone to spend time with Gursaks and Maaparks. And we're talking about meaning. This mm-hmm. is like, that's what they helped me. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, one of the, one of the takeaways that, uh, that I'm getting here is that to get through the struggle with mental health, uh, it's, it's Gursik, spending time with good Sangat mm-hmm. and Mahapurks, uh, whether it's Pagdji or uh, Gani Pagwan Singh Ji. Yeah. Uh, if you were, for anybody that's listening, uh, just to give the, the brief takeaways, you know, like a list of takeaways of anything like that, uh, is that something that you could do? Like what I've learned from them? No, like just some takeaways. So, you know, I've learned one, two, three, uh, something that our viewers can listen to and just be like, okay, just implement or a step they can take forward based on your experience with them? Um, my first experience would be that you have to, like what this podcast is called, Experience the Key. Yeah. <laughs> you have to go and you have to spend time with Gursiks and experience it. Mm-hmm. What it's like to learn and live and, s- and uh, dedicate your entire life to Sikhi. Both Gini Pagwan and Sikhi are not married. Their entire life is dedicated to Sikhi. And when you see Gursikhs who are so dedicated and unselfish, anyone who comes to them, they feed them, they house them, they clothe them, they give them shelter, they do everything for nothing in return, and they teach them Vidya. Do everything for them, but they don't take anything in return. That was my biggest thing, how unselfish they are, and Parupakar. I remember having conversations with Gani Pagwan Singhji last year, and it was about an hour-long conversation. We we're discussing: should someone be a bihangam because they are bihangam, not married, or someone get married, uh, get married, become right. a gristi? Right. And uh, they told me that we had this long conversation. And after that long conversation, that we came to the conclusion that either if you are a gristi or a bihangam, you have to do parapakar. If you are a gristi and you're selfish and you're only thinking about yourself, your gristi even is useless. Yeah. If you are a bihangam and you're not doing parapakar, you're your life as a bihangam is useless. And that's what I learned. Okay, bihang, that becoming a parapakari is something that is instilled in a Gursikh's jivan. Have to be parapakari, have to do seva, have to learn and then have to teach. Have to teach. Have to 
biggest thing I learned, the thing, three things I learned from Pakistan was have a higher character. Paraya Rupni Vekna. Don't look at the opposite gender. Read Gurbani Shodh. Instill Gurbani inside of you and live a healthy life. Exercise, eat well. Uh, this body that's been given to you is a gift from Guru Sahib Ji. What you put into your mouth, what you put into your brain is very, very important and very sensitive. Um, we take if we whatever we put inside our body, whether it's sugar or high, like bad fats and all this stuff, it's gonna come and bite us later on in life. Just like that, what you put in your brain, it will bite you later in life, or even bite you now. I'll tell you, I'll tell you my own experience. I remember the first time. Uh, I remember the first time I ever saw, like a, a like I had. Uh, it was in 2002. I was in grade two. The first time I opened a book. And it was a world Guinness record book. And there was a, a woman wearing a swimsuit picture. And that picture is still in my head today. I can't take it away. And I was in grade two. Wow. Right? Mm. So when you see something, anything you put in your brain, anything you put in your mind, it will carry with you for the rest of your life. An innocent act like that as a child, was if I, if I go back, I can think about it. Because the first time I saw this, I was like, what is this? Right. right? You've never seen a naked woman. Like, what right. is this? And I right. was Honestly, I'm just sitting in my classroom looking through World Guinness World Records 2002. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what mm-hmm. is this? Yeah. And it was totally confusing. Yeah. And so there's things like, so whatever you put in your mu- uh, eye, uh, in your brain, and that's really important nowadays with social media. Whatever your goals, whatever your meaning in life is, focus on that. Place that in front of your eyes. Place that in front of your mind. Don't post things that are useless. Don't go and waste your time. And this is why like watching i am i don't like watching tv the useless tv right i have my one sunday hour that i watch my football <laughs> game beside that right stay away from the news and stuff because i for me it's this stuff is not there's not pointed at my goal right what my goal in life is it takes me off of that and life is very 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 short right right um you mentioned that it depends on your goals as to what you want to do in life, right? Yeah. Um, it's the force, it's the center of it, and not to you do things that are on the side or distracting you away from your goal, mm-hmm. right? Um, essentially, what's the meaning of your life, what you're trying to do? Uh-huh. Um, and I know we've discussed meaning in depth before as well. Um, can you go into a little bit detail about meaning of life and like what, what, what that means to you? Yeah, so I think I might have said it earlier that um, people are pursuing happiness, but I feel like hap- pursuing happiness is not the way to go. You got to pursue meaning. Because right? Dok comes to everyone. It's a hardship, chaos um, uh, comes to everyone. Everyone has to go through that. It's, uh, you can't, for example, someone could get cancer, right? Someone's parents could pass away. It's not in our control. This stuff is going to happen. Mm-hmm. You, there's no way you can turn Dok away. It's part of this world. Right. And pursuing sukh is not going to get you there. Pursuing, if you have a meaning, a purpose in life, and that can discuss, that can decide if your life is successful or not. So, so I read a book last year. It's called The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. People, and I think one of his chapters in that book was his keep the end in mind. And the way the author starts that book off is he says, okay. Now imagine yourself, close your eyes, imagine yourself, you wake up one day, you shower, you get in, uh, you eat, you get dressed, and you get into your car. And when you get into your car, um, you go and you drive, and you drive to the funeral home. You've been there before, and you park your car, you get out, you walk into the hall, and you look around, you see very familiar people. 
see your parents sitting there, you see your coworkers sitting there, your friends sitting there, people who helped you, who, are, who enjoyed life with you sitting there. Mm-hmm. And then you see the casket sitting there open in front of you. Right. You walk up to the casket to view the body and you come to face to face with yourself. It's your own funeral. And when you see your body, uh, you get shocked, like, what is this? Then you slowly sit down. And that day, four people are going to talk about you. Your parents, your sibling, a friend, and a coworker. Mm. What do you want those people to say about you? And when I sat there and thought about this, I was like, hey, this is a good point. Then he tells you in the book to write it down. Right. Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And he tells you to write those things down. And when I went and wrote my things down, there are my things were like, he has a high character. Mm-hmm. He follows Gursiki. His mariada is to the T. Um, his, uh, he helped people. He was a loving brother, a loving son, a loving friend. Um, he cared about other people. He um, was uh, uh, caring and he was uh, helpful, looked out for other people. He was selfless, these type of virtues. Right. And none of my list was, oh, he had a nice, he had a great job, he had a right. nice car, a beautiful house. Right. And he, the, the author talks about keeping the end in mind. And then he f- talks about b- having a a, uh, a meaningful, the word he used was, a, the m- word he used was um, a fulfilled life. Right. How to have a fulfilled life. Because fulfillment, he said, doesn't come from, um, I forget who the author was now, so bad. But he said that fulfillment doesn't come from um, raising your own kids, having a family, and doing those responsibility things that you're supposed to do every single day. That's your job. That's, that's right. something that comes with life. Fulfillment counts what you do selflessly for others. So then I started thinking about, hey, okay, these are my goals in life. None of this stuff has to do with worldly things. Right. People who I look up to, who I inspire to, it's not, I don't look up to them because of the size of their house or their right. car. It's what they did. It's how they fulfilled. Look, if you talk about Sanjarnal Singhji, Sanjarnal Singhji's, what do we look, what attributes do we look at? If he just was a normal person who raised his family, lived in his house, did his kirt, no one would have known who they were. They went out and they did something for the panth. They did something for the qom. They, they, everything they were did was for the Panth, for the nation, for Guru Gobind Singh Ji. And that's who they, like, that's who their light was. Right. And that's why people admire them today. And when we talk about Santri, no one ever talks about Paravari, Nasi, Indian religion means, see, it's about Santani E, Gonkite, Nitar, Mjud, Morcha, Kita, Indarbar, Sati, Hamala, Hoya, Tiran Singh, Shahid, Hoya, Nadapin, Gref, Tariditi, all these things. We talk about that. It all has to do with things that is Paravakar again. Right. So finding meaning in life is very important. And one thing that people often, um, uh, I've heard kids say this, and it makes me very, it makes me cringe when I hear kids say this. Because when I talk to kids and you talk to them, come to you, you see someone like, uh, my brother said this to me, this to me once. He's like, uh, let me make my own mistakes. Right? I'm like, hey, you don't want to do these things. It's not good. Right? right. And I was like, no, that like, you don't want to, life is too short to make your own mistakes. And I have a quote here that I'm going to read to you. Um, uh, uh, by Jordan Pearson, who I've been reading from his 12, uh, tw- what's it called? 12 Steps of no. Life, I think. Uh, tw- 12 uh, Rules of Life. 12 Rules, right. 12 yeah. Rules of Life. Well, is, it P- is it Peterson? Jordan Peterson. Peterson. Yeah. Right. yeah, so he says about life being short, okay? He says, life is short, and you don't have the time 
to figure everything out on your own. Wisdom of the past was hard earned and your dead ancestors may have something useful to tell you. And when I read this a mm. couple of weeks ago, I'm like, hey, I believe that. Yeah. When I go, when you're talking about getting people going, saying, your poetry, these people have wisdom way beyond me. When I go to them, I learn from them and I sit there and I listen to their katha, listen to their vachars. It's because they have wisdom that I have no idea it even exists. When you listen to Katha, when you listen to Santagani Guru Bachan Singh Ji, when you listen, when you read Pai Rantir Singh Ji's Jeevani, or you read Santagani Haranam Singh Jeevani, or you learn about Guru Koma Singh Ji and their Atiyas, there's years and years and centuries of wisdom in there. And we as individuals, we're in this little tunnel thinking, hey, this is my life, I'm going to figure out how it goes. Hey, you don't have time for that. Mm. Learn from what your elders went through, what their life is about. That's why I feel like books are one of the best things in the world ever invented. A person could have 30 years of experience and put it into a book for you, and then you can get that wisdom by reading that book. Well, it's also like Sina Basina, right? Sina Basina yeah. <laughs> thing, right? So it's, it's, um, it's like I was reading this and I was like, yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. Um, when, you, when you, life is short. That's something, everything, every day I wake up and tell myself, life is short. Yeah. And I have, uh, and chaos is going to come one day for sure, mm. right? The day my mom dies or my dad dies, that's going to be chaos for me, yeah. right? Because you're attached to your parents. Everyone's going to face that day. I could get cancer. Something else could happen, right? Um, anything is possible. Like, no one expected Jagarar Singh to go so fast. Yeah. It comes, right? And it's not like there's some sort of like, uh, like some way that it's unfair. Ha- can happen to anyone. Yeah. It can happen to any person. You could have a healthy life and you can still get illnesses. Mm. But being prepared for those chaos being prepared for those uh, horrible events you look about people who were uh who kill- hitler killed off or stalin kill- killed off innocent people right people in the 1984 genocide innocent people chaos came to them but maharaj even tells us okay now, Gurbani teaches us not to only prepare for chaos here, but prepare for chaos that might come in the next world. The good virtues that we do in this world, right? Banda, uh, we have so many higher desires in this world. But we get caught up in this asan to pursue happiness. But meaning, meaning comes from when you have a purpose. You want to pursue that purpose. But before you can fulfill your meaning, you have to know what your difficulties you faced in life. So for me, my difficulties, my hard times, the things I struggled with is what helped me find a purpose and a meaning. I realized, hey, I don't want to be this horrible person. If I sit here from three years from now, I could do all these wrong things. I could go to the wrong sangat. I can do all this stuff. Is that where I want to be? No. If I do these things that are in my control, if I have suffering that comes while I do these things, that suffering will be much less because I know I did everything in my will that I could to limit that. Right. Right? Anything. That puts a responsibility in my hands. And for me, one thing that I believe is that everyone has fear. Right. right? But conquering fear is really important because the old quote that goes, only thing to fear is fear itself. Right. No the pain, no gain. No pain, no game. Right? So, jira, fear, or dara, it has three things that's based on the first is time, attachment, and expectations. We all we have we're so attached to the present moment. 
or attached to people or attached to, hey, things might go wrong. There might be chaos. We have to get away from that attachment. We have, we have expectations. You have an expectation, hey, um, uh, I, want, I, I, wanna, I do these things so I can be here. Right. But one thing I believe is instead of having an expectation, have a preference. Okay, this is what my life is. You could eventually, that, and that's where you want to go. That's your preference. But if you don't go there, it doesn't mean that you failed. Mm. Right? Don't have that fear. If something goes wrong, if something changes across the path, because it can, nothing, not everything is in your own c- control. And then you have time. Because people think, oh, my time is so limited, or I have this much time. We have fear. We're so, um, human has, a human, before humans, there was no time on this earth. Right. We invented time. Yep. It's a huge, it's a, it's a, it's a man-made it's a, construct. It's a man, man-made concept. So for us, we're so attached to these things. And rising above this and getting above your fears has, uh, one of the biggest things I struggled with was fear. Fear of letting myself down, fear of living, letting people around me down, fear of uh, letting, just fear started controlling my life at one point. Mm. I was so afraid of everything. But once I realized, okay, life is short, you don't have enough time to even fear. You don't have enough time to make mistakes. You, couldn't have a, you can have a slip up, you can do something wrong, but now that mistake should teach you and push you 10 steps forward than where, it, where you were before. You should right. use that as motivation. Right. Anything that you make a mistake, Right, for example, it's very important for a simple person, I feel like, to go to sleep on time and wake up at the same time. Now, if one day I go to sleep late and wake up at a different time the next morning, I know that use that as motivation. Use that as motivation. Right. Hey, I could be a much better person if I, if I was than yesterday and make this day better. Yeah. So another thing that Jordan Pearson says in his book is the only person you got to be better than the pers- is the person you were the day before. Right. So using that as motivation, that's how I feel like finding meaning. And with meaning, you have to have sacrifice. You have to be willing to sacrifice. Whether it's sacrificing wealth or sacrificing the world's, world's uh, pleasures, sacrificing the world's pressures, your family pressures. If you have a heart, you, you want to follow your heart and find your, find your purpose, you'll be a much more healthy, happier person than if someone who's forced to go down a career road that because your dad wanted to become a doctor, so you became right. a doctor. Eventually, you're going to get sick of it. Yep. And I, was, I read the Michelle Obama book, mm-hmm. Becoming, and, um, last month, and she was talking about how she went to uh, Princeton, did mm-hmm. an undergrad, the undergrad there. She yeah. went to Harvard for law school. And then after that, she got a... In the 80s, she was getting paid $120,000 working at a huge law firm in downtown Chicago. My God. But she said, I felt totally like I had no fulfillment. Right. She's like, I was sitting there and just going through papers and it's like, I don't want to do this. Right. She's making more money than her parents ever will have, ever. She's making so much money. But for her, it was sacrificing her wealth, sacrificing her, her worldly pleasures that might go away with the wealth dropping. $120,000 in the 80s is a lot more a than lot. it sounds yeah. like now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It sounds like a lot more. And she's like, she dropped that job and she went down to a $40,000 job where she's working with young kids and helping them uh, pursue their careers and goals and working with people. Wow. So finding meaning really, for me, is more important than the the wealth of the world, the money, because money is not going to bring you happiness. It's not going to bring you success. It's not going to bring you fulfillment. Right. Fulfillment is going to come when you follow your heart and find your purpose and meaning in life. I find that really, really important. You've reached the end of part one with Good Kirat Singh. Please continue on to part two. You've been listening to the Experience Saki podcast. 